0: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Seeker's Quest. Um, good to have everyone here. Happy 4th of July. I'm super excited for this episode. CC sent us uh, some of his notes for today. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. I'm excited for the 4th of July, too. You have plans for the 4th of July, Veda?
1: My 4th of July is... Like every day that I celebrate life, that I'm still on the planet, I still have the privilege of having a human body to engage in the service of others. So that's my celebration.
0: Okay, great. Do they have an Independence Day in India?
1: Yes, I just don't know when it is.
0: Really? (laughs) It's August 15th. August 15th. Oh, that's great! Oh, CC just joined us. CC, are you here now? Is that Independence Day celebrating the um, the independence from Britain? Yes. Okay, that's cool. Do what do they do? Do they do fireworks?
1: Uh you know, I never celebrated one.
0: Ah, okay.
1: I think. Huh. I've never been independent. I've always been dependent on Krishna <laughs> my life works out.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Okay. Well, today's theme is uh, liberty and liberation. <laughs> and I wanted to share a story of um, kind of reflecting on this theme. When I first came into yoga, like 10 years ago, maybe my yoga teacher suggested I read this book. It's called how yoga works. And the the premise of the book is this it's set like way back in the day, like really long time ago, hundreds of years ago. And this woman is hiking through the Himalayas and she has a bunch of yoga philosophy books with her and she goes through some town and the town like arrests her for distributing her books and she gets put in jail and it's the whole thing's kind of a scandal. She shouldn't really be in jail, but she is. And, um, her, when she gets put in jail, she continues just practicing her yoga. So she's just reading and chanting and meditating and her internal is really no different than, than when she was out of jail. Like she's still the same person. She's still very peaceful. She's still very disciplined um, and the people that are running the jail, the wardens and such, such notice this about her. And she kind of starts to develop relationships with them. And they have a whole, whole host of problems, like addiction problems, body aches, like all, all kinds of problems. And, um, they start to ask her if she can help them. So she starts kind of helping them, teaching them what she knows. And what ends up happening throughout the course of the book is she changes the whole she changes the lives of all of these people that are not in the jail, but are working at the jail and she starts teaching them and they become her students. And, um, you start to see their lives transformed and it's really beautiful. Um, and, and what it really made me think, it was really profound for me at that moment because I knew nothing about yoga or yoga philosophy or anything like that, but it was really like, it's so inspiring how this woman is living in this jail, but she she was so internally steady and peaceful and compassionate and loving that it didn't, that didn't change. Her external circumstances didn't change her internal circumstances. And she was so strong and steady in that to the point where she was inspiring people who were outside, who were actually like keeping her prisoner <laughs> she was inspiring them and changing their lives in ways um, that they were developing some of those same qualities. So it was a really beautiful and kind of like aha moment for me, something that was kind of profound in my practice when I started coming in. And I was like, I want to be like that, like able to be in any circumstance in life. Like it doesn't matter what's going on around me. And I can maintain this inner contentment and uh, peaceful peacefulness
2: what do you think about that veda
1: i love it (laughs) when i was growing up i had a teacher who told me a similar story but he made it sound like it's what it was one of his friends
0: really maybe it was
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know it was it was really nice because he had told me this told us the story in the class of a man who was very notorious, and he found the Bhagavad Gita, and he came to the center, the meditation center, and he said he wanted to join, and and they looked at his picture and they're like, "God, oh, this guy is wanted. We don't want him in the, we don't want him in our sanctuary," and 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 so they couldn't say yes or no because they were afraid if they told him no that he might hurt them, so they were completely dazed, and he just said, "You know, I'm here to join the monastery, and i'm not going i'm not I'm not leaving." so he just waited there and 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 then he went into the ashram and got one of the buzzers and buzzed himself up. No one wanted to engage him in service. He just kept following the people around and finally they the law caught up with him something similar and he was in, he was you know about to get sentenced and when they were sentencing him, he was just it's like you know I'm happy that to pay the price for all the misdeeds that I've done in my life." But I just want my teacher to know where I where I where I'm gonna be. So, so they asked who the teacher was, and the teacher happened to be the head of the center, head of the temple. This was somewhere in you know Malaysia or somewhere out there. And yeah, when the the head temple leader came, and you know the court tells him everything that he has done, he was like, oh my god. I can't believe this guy is a killer he's, a, he's such a such a big time criminal So anyway they incarcerated him they put him in an island with a group of other prisoners to die and he all he wanted was his beads to meditate on and the Bhagavad Gita and he supposedly had turned the whole island into yogis and they would drop food with helicopters and whatnot. And people were just civilized. So whole island became civilized because he had this internal transformation, no more killing, no more brutality, no more agonizing people. And he was able to turn this whole, it's almost like he always told us that it was an island. And I always, always thinking about Alcatraz, you know, and and how... One person whose consciousness is evolved is able to influence everyone around him. And the whole place turned into a sanctuary for people to practice spiritual life. And he was eventually released because he said, this, this is too much. We're trying to, you know, keep these people and let them die in that space. But they all turned out to be good people. So whatever he is doing has reform reformed everyone so so they released him. I don't know what happened. I also remembered his name for quite some time, but it's not coming to me right now so something very similar to what you're saying that it's really that two different worlds there is the inner world and there is the outer world, and how the, the when there is a change in the inner world, we are able to change naturally. Uh, influence our outer world so something wow,
0: nicely
2: said i think cc
1: is on right
0: yeah cc are you here yeah
3: i'm there i'm still can you hear me
0: yeah we can hear
3: you
1: you're locked out i'm sorry you-
3: i'm still outdoors i'm still waiting for somebody to open the door but i've been here uh, i'm joined okay. for 10 minutes i heard uh- can you hear what i'm speaking yeah, we can hear you. Okay, so sorry about this, but I think I can join while I'm walking and trying to call someone and find a way in. So,
1: so you're in the outer world. Thank right? you for
3: sharing both the experiences. <laughs> you know, they, when I was growing up in India, I grew up in the, you could say what we call as the post-independence generation. My father was born around the time when India got independence. And then I was the next generation. The shadow of the independence struggle was still a very prominent part of our generation's collective mind. And we grew up admiring the freedom fighters. Of course, one generation later, it has become like a distant memory. So the American War of Independence was... What, almost century, two century more than two centuries ago. So it's a distant memory for many people. But the idea of freedom is something which fascinates the human mind. And we all long to be free. Now we long to be free, like in the American uh, <clears throat> Declaration of independence everyone has equal right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So first we want to survive, that's life. Then we want to be free. And free so that we can pursue happiness. So the east and the west, maybe rather if you if possible, you can share the screen and the diagram. Oh yeah. I maybe there. I can do that.
0: Sure. Um do you want to put your camera on, even if you're just holding
3: it? I, I'm also walking, so I cannot oh, put okay. on the camera because I, I think I should just get there in a minute. Okay,
0: this so. is impressive. You're multitasking. Chaitanya Chiran. we didn't actually introduce you. He's our resident spiritual scientist. He's a um, renowned author and monk and... Um, just uh, you have an engineering degree too, right? He's just incredibly brilliant and learned, and we are very happy and lucky to have him here with us
3: um yes, this is the perfection of liberty to have people <laughs> praise me <laughs> okay. oh. i'm I'm honored to be with all of you here and vedaji is actually a very spiritually evolved person. Oh my God. She's gone through experiences and challenges (laughs) that I can't even imagine. And I'm getting to know her in the last several months. And her resourcefulness and cheerfulness just amazes me. (laughs) I'm grateful to be in the company that I'm here. Yes. So, so I was talking about the pursuit of happiness. But this is for the East and the West have had fundamentally different ways of pursuing happiness. Not necessarily ways, but you could say emphasis in the ways. In the West, the focus has been on liberty. Liberty, we could say that means outer freedom. Nobody should control my life. Nobody should tell me what I should be doing. Now, I have the right to be who I want to be. And especially when our rights are being suppressed, then it's important that that right be there for all of us. But simultaneously, the East, what was understood was, where is required, but a far greater freedom is the freedom from our own short-sighted, selfish and self-destructive desires
2: and emotions. So that is called as liberation. So liberation is more internal. You know, I think in the next diagram, I have freedom form and freedom for. So so these two fundamentally different ways
3: of pursuing happiness are what have characterized the East and the West. So in the West, you've made significant progress in terms of achieving liberty and that's a right that has been constantly emphasizing a lot of right. But we need a parallel complementation of, you could say, inner freedom or liberation. And that is what we will can dwell on today. Yes, Vedajir, if you want to comment on some
2: things? Yeah, you know, do you want to go first, there?
1: You go ahead.
0: Go. You go first.
1: You know, where you put the diagram where he says free, freedom from and freedom for, and he says from, political ty- ty- tyranny. And I'm just wondering why you call it a political tyr- tyranny. The, the reason for that terminology.
3: Because uh, I think across history, people have had repeated experiences of being ty- tyrannical rulers. See, America was founded when the first people first they like, were called pilgrims. They were tyrannized during the intra-Christian wars between the Catholics and the Protestants. And most of them were Protestants who came to the West, who came eastward to America to seek freedom. So, basically, liberty is associated with External control over our lives, which prevents us from doing what we could do. So it could be political. Now it could be also economic tyranny. but generally those who have power, money monetary power, they also sooner or later require political power. So by pol- political tyranny, I simply mean that the inner the con- rigid control over a person's um, external. Activities and choices.
1: Is it is it ironical that we call it political tyranny? It was more religious tyranny, and the religion is supposed to bring us freedom.
3: Well, actually, you could put it this way: that religion and politics, uh, when they come together, it can lead to a very unhealthy, unhealthy mix.
2: A dangerous combination.
3: Yeah, it could be a dangerous combination. So the, the word "theopolitics" is used sometimes. He is associated with religion or God. So one of my friends recently in America was telling me that you know if you want to keep your friends, don't talk with them about their religion or their politics, because those are very divisive issues. and then religion and politics both come together. It becomes religious politics. It becomes the most divisive.
2: It's interesting you say that because in
1: all the retreats that I do in the sanghas that we have, mm. we we it, this is one of our values that we do not discuss politics and religion.
2: <laughs> interesting. <laughs>
1: okay. You just keep so. that away because it it can really divide people. So if we we, we want to stick together, you know.
0: I heard you say that the other day, Veda, about not talking about religion and. I wondered, like, so you don't view us as a religion?
1: I definitely don't view as you being religious. So, I don't know what you do behind doors. And, you know, <laughs> religion is your personal thing, <laughs> you and whoever God you worship. But I I let you make that decision is between you and God.
0: So then what do you identify as religion or religious?
1: That may be a whole other talk in itself, you know, because... C- C- Chaitanya uh, has done a, a whole course how religion is not bad I think and you know this whole religion and spirituality I think that may be a whole other uh, discussion a whole oh, that's nother a great topic.
0: idea
3: Yeah, not, I was curious <laughs> it's <a> definitely an <laughs> important topic to discuss I would say that uh, religion is often associated with certain externals a lot of emphasis on rituals and Certain, you know, certain externals are emphasized way too much. But yeah, we can discuss it separately. So, Interesting. Uh, coming back to our topic, is that you know, we want to be, be, just as we need outer freedom, Martin Luther King, he said that we have guided missiles, but we have misguided men. So you could say guided missiles, is we have control over the outer world. We have. We can say we have outer freedom, we have liberty. We can manufacture our own missiles. But then what are we going to do with those missiles? If you're using those to harm and kill others, then if if misguided men are in charge of guided missiles, there are a few things that can be more dangerous to human society than that.
0: Yeah, You know, when I first came in, uh, well actually when I graduated college, I had a nuclear engineering degree and I felt really strongly about nuclear energy. I felt like it was something that was misunderstood and could be used for the good and got a lot of bad rep. And I started working for a contractor that designed nuclear submarines for the Navy. And, um, I had a lot of pride in that. And I, I, a lot of the people that I worked with had a lot of pride in that it was very mission-based And it was a lot of really good people that, that did it actually really like, it really helped, um, like bolster my faith in humanity, just even working in that kind of environment with those kinds of people. And uh, then when I started studying Eastern philosophy, I was like, oh no, this is the answer. This is what is best. And I, I actually like left that and, and now, um, more committed to, to kind of internal transformation and growth. And, um. But, but I do see, and and I think that is where my heart is more, (laughs) but I do see where both there's benefits to both. I mean, I feel like we could learn a lot from each other, the East and the West. And, and I don't think, I don't see it as one is, um, I mean, you absolutely have to have inner transformation to, to affect in a, in a positive way, the external world. But the, but the external world is still important. It still it still impacts people's lives profoundly. So I see
3: them as being very complementary. Yeah, I fully agree with that. The point is not that one has to be given up for the sake of other or other, it's just when one is I talked about how both are required in balance. Mm-hmm. if you need both sides, it's not just that one is enough. The idea is what are we ultimately if even if we have some values to live for, some higher purposes to pursue, If you go a little downward, I made four quadrants
1: I wanted oh, to okay, talk sure. more about this whole concept that you're talking about, you know like when we do, whenever we talked about independence because you know I come from. A space where we didn't we never celebrated independence. We we didn't know what it meant. And the only concept I had about independence is independence. I we I I I I was not great in English, so I, I had to always break the words down to make myself understand. So I used to always think independence means in the divine, and that in could also mean myself and the divine within myself, and not anything of anything from the outside. So I was focused on what we're talking about, the inner change, the inner work that you're talking about, rather than the outer change. So that was my whole concept of independence. I did not have another concept, because where I grew up, we did not celebrate any kind of independence of any nations, of anything other than just trying to see how we can... Be dependent, independent in the divine within oneself and the relationship that the individual has with the divine in that relationship. so that was the, the 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 concept that I grew up with. so this is a little uh it's nice education and education for me. It's a
3: nice way of looking at it, probably we'll come to that at the conclusion
2: in one sense, we can say that we we cannot be completely independent. As you said, independence, uh, independence,
3: independence. So actually, in one sense, we can say we are always dependent on something or the other. We are never fully free. But the idea is what are we dependent on and is that dependence helping us grow or is it impeding us so for example if somebody is if somebody is living a simply materialistic life then you could say they are still dependent on their body the more we are materially minded there is no life without the body if somebody is an athlete they depend entirely on the the particular bodily limbs that they require for their athletic skills. So, every one of us is dependent. Um, so we are dependent. That's why, in one sense, the outer freedom is in its own way important. But it's just a question. It's a question of priority, which is how important. So. Outer freedom, when outer freedom becomes an end in itself, it becomes a means to some end. Like earlier talking about religion. Somebody wants to practice some some higher values. They need some freedom. But if freedom is thought solely for freedom's sake, then over a period of time, we start gravitating toward self-destructive things. We tend to be The three things I mentioned earlier: short-sighted, it can be
2: self-destructive,
3: and it can be selfish. So our desires tend to gravitate in these directions. So we need to we need outer freedom, but outer freedom is meant to take us upward, not downward. So going back to the diagram. If there is no liberty, if there's no liberty and no liberation, that means there is nothing that we are free, there's no out of freedom and there's nothing internal that we want to live for, then that is definitely a state of misery. There's only liberty, but no liberation. Then also it can be destructive as in that somebody can have freedom and they say, I'll have the freedom to what I want. Then somebody may start drinking, somebody may start smoking, somebody start doing drugs and they can become compulsive, they can become self-destructive over there. Now, if somebody, on the other hand, has outer freedom, but no inner freedom, that is a difficult state to be in, but both of you examples in the beginning of how even such a situation, some growth was possible. So some growth is possible. Now the best is, where there is both uh, there's liberty and liberation both together. If both go in hand in hand, then a person, a person is free, and they have they free from external control, free from internal self-destructive desires, and they have a higher purpose to live for. So you could say this is by far the best situation to be in. So without devaluing liberty, we are we can say we are complementing. So we complement is to complete complement liberty. The pursuit of liberty or the value of liberty.
2: So we complement liberty with liberation. When we do this both together. Complement liberty with liberation.
3: That's the best combination we can have.
0: Can we talk a little bit about that lower right quadrant? And you made the point right before that, too, of you said if you don't have if you have liberty, but you don't have liberation, it can be destructive. Right. So if you don't have internal liberation, but you have the freedom externally, it can be destructive. Can you explain why what would cause that to be
2: destructive?
3: not say it has to be, but it can be because we all I discussed this earlier that how we are at our core spiritual beings, but we are surrounded by a mind. The soul, the mind, and then beyond that is the
2: body. So,
3: what is happening is that the mind often has some negative conditionings within it. So they may be, there may be anger, they may be greed, there may be jealousy, there may be lust or craving. So these negative conditionings within the mind, they impel us toward actions that are counterproductive, actions that are destructive. And if we are to avoid that, there is if all that we are pursuing is external freedom. One of my friends, is a, I'll give an example of this. One of my friends is a is an attorney, but he specializes in, he is in an inheritance attorney. Now, it's not just fighting over who gets inheritance. He says that there are many people, their parents have earned a lot of money, they're very wealthy, they want to give all the money to their children, but the children, because they've grown up in wealth and comfort, they're often a little irresponsible. And the parents are apprehensive that if all the money comes to the children, they will just misuse it. I met one person who was around know, 16, 17, and he was just exploring drugs. And at the time, his, his grandmother or some, some person from two generations, away, grandmother, I think, has passed away. And she gave all her property, not to her ch- children, but to her, this grandchild. And he had a ton of money, and he was just exploring drugs. He told me later that was the worst thing that could have happened to him. Because if he didn't have enough money, he wouldn't have been able to take so many drugs. He got that money and he was just completely hooked. It took him years to get free from that addiction eventually. So, so this inheritance attorney, his specialization is that when parents make a will that after their departure, their property will go to their children, they make it that per year, my child will be able to withdraw only this much money. And after the parent passes away, often the children do some court case and try to break the will saying that my parents, my father or mother was not mentally stable when they made this will. It's my money, I should get all of it. So basically, he focuses on making wills that are unbreakable. So it is not that the money is not to be given to the children. The money is meant for the children. But that freedom to have a lot of liquid cash at one's disposal can actually be dangerous, can actually be counterproductive. So that is with so freedom or freedom with money, free access to money, it can lead to self-destructive actions. That's what I was talking about. That in general, when a person has outer freedom, outer control, sorry, outer power. And the, we're not saying that outer power has to be taken away, but the point is. Unless there is a a sufficient emphasis to develop inner power, to develop the wisdom that enables one to make good choices. So, unless a person is liberated liberated from internal self-destructive impulses or urges, till that time, external freedom alone will not be enough. External freedom can be counterproductive. Am I making myself clear
0: now? Yeah, okay. So you're saying, like, the Bhavra Gita teaches us that the soul is separate from the mind. And the mind can easily be influenced by external factors. Some of those factors of which can bring us to lower consciousness. Things like attachment to money or attachment to people of the opposite sex or just attachments that can, can bring us down If 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 they get out of control or if they're not regulated. So what you're saying is the mind can, can work like that or the mind can, can be connected to the soul and the soul and, and the soul can act from a place of, of much higher, right? And we can use these the sastra and the literature that we have to educate ourselves so that we can act from a place of much higher. So you're saying that if a person isn't trained in this philosophy or isn't trained in a philosophy which brings them higher um, and that makes them connect with the soul in a way that they're acting from that place of integrity, then, then it can lead to destructive habits. And that's what ends up happening a lot in even our societies with, when people don't have these kinds of uh, s- systems that they learn from are these moral or ethical or really like a true north of which they make their decisions then they end up making their decisions based off of their attachments or what their senses are telling them to do is that what you're saying? yes yes
2: definitely yeah thank you well clarified
1: so I look at go ahead go ahead you no know, you can do I mean. I, I, I look I when we're going through this topic I take a more simplified approach because sometimes it can be very I'm trying to see how I would take it and I would explain it to uh, a student I think of how you know the light is required in order to uh, dispel darkness And that light is coming from the
2: inner self. And
1: and when that inner self is lit up, then everything around you can have a better perspective and find its purpose and belonging and its proper utility. So unless the light is coming, I think the term in... Bhagavad Gita is called Jnana Deepena bhaswata, which means the torch of knowledge. But I feel it's more when the soul is, is situated in its true essential self, it's lit up, then whenever we interact with the outer world, then it's very balanced because you can see things for what it is. Otherwise, there is not enough information and it's difficult to look from outside in. And I think that's where I see liberty and liberation, where you know we're we're trying to find a balance, and that balance comes from inside out and understanding its unique relationship that it has. One cannot live without the other. So that's how I see it. It's important of shining the light from inside out rather than outside in because matter in itself is not really lit up it needs somebody to move it it needs a conscious being to move it and that conscious being is this illuminated self so that's what i was thinking of when you were explaining this
2: hmm. like so you're saying So, you're saying that, let's put it this way, that mm,
3: that there's light from outside in and there's light from inside out. So, we could say that something like a person, light from outside in means that, okay, there's a path. You can go wherever you want. You're at a big crossroad. Just now, I was in the streets of Boston and I was trying to get in from the front door, back door. I, all of them were locked somehow. I was wondering whether the third door or not. I was free in one sense, but that freedom was not of much use because there was some restraint. So we could say that there is an outside in refers to You have the external facility. All the roads are open for you, but inside out is more of, okay, where do I want to go? so you could say that outside in could be more in terms of the facility and inside out is more in terms of the intent it's, it's more in terms of the resource yeah we could have uh, the resources available but what are we going to what do we want to use the resources for am i getting you right
1: yeah right? i think from inside inside out you can go out Anytime you want, from the outside in, you can't come in. You have to, the place is locked. It's not accessible to you. Okay, good, we of looking at it.
3: Okay, so, liberty and liberation. Well, I did this deliberately wrong. It's the other way.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to say, you know, I'm just confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes
1: sense.
3: Okay. This
1: is, this is liberty.
3: And this is liberation. So then question for both of you before,
0: before we run out of time here. What are some things that we can do today to, to increase the brightness of this inside light to, to find to more of a state of, of liberation? What are some things I can do today?
3: Well, you know, my understanding would be, do not start go start with it first? Please go ahead.
1: You should come to Vrindavan.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm doing that later this year, but I can't do that today.
1: <laughs> A lot of light and you can bring carry some of that light with you.
2: Mm-hmm. So
3: if I consider and I'm here, now we all can think of wherever we are right now, some actions some habits, some behavior, some choices that can uplift us. Mm. So let's, maybe there's three things. Maybe I can exercise a little bit more. Maybe I can spend a little more time reading some wisdom literature. Maybe I can meditate more mm, or meditate better. So three things we can think of, which if I start doing today, mm, my life could become better we all can say okay i have a demanding job i have a lot of family responsibilities i have health issues and we could say uh, yeah those are restraints on us and maybe in the future we'll have less demanding job we'll have more financial stability but that is all about liberty we are all restricted by our external in some ways but within those restrictions so within our situation are there some things that we can start doing which can improve the quality of our life. So if we focus on that, we all can say, if only I had more time, I would do this, 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 this. Okay, that's great. And let's hope we get more time. But okay, within the time limit that I have, what can I do? Conversely, we can look at it. So these are what we want to start doing. There are things which can degrade us. They can hurt us. They can harm others. So find out three things like that which we can try to stop doing as much as possible, or decrease doing. You know, when I get angry, you know, I make say, sm- I pass my comments about others as sarcastic, I insult others. Uh, maybe I can stop that, Maybe I can decrease that. Hmm. So we could find out either of those. So in one sense, we all have certain limitations. And our mind tends to rail against and resent the limitations. And those limitations become limitations everybody has. But limitations can become excuses for stagnation. For staying where I am. That doesn't have to happen. Yes, I can't do everything that I would like to do in my present situation. But let my limitations not become excuses for stagnation. I don't have that external liberty right now. But within that, what can I do? Can I free myself from these excuses and try to work on some things that can improve the quality of my life, improve the value of my contributions in the world? That's something which I would think of.
2: Those are good.
1: I had a thought when you were when you were speaking. I was thinking how in the Brahma Samhita there is that beautiful text where it talks about Deepa Chireva. How if we are like candles, if we are this little flame, this flame has the potency and the ability to light many other flames in the world, and in the midst of darkness, we can. We can illuminate the entire universe if we just take our illuminated self and just keep lighting more candles one by one, light the flames of divine spiritual emotions and, and, and love in the hearts of uh, everyone we meet. And imagine the light one candle can uh, spread And this one candle has the potency to illuminate the whole entire world. If we just keep taking and just keep lighting one candle at a time. So this is how I, I was meditating on, as Chaitanya was sharing his, I was just thinking, this verse, so beautiful.
3: Yeah, that's a nice meditation. I like to use this metaphor also that sometimes we are walking on the road and the street lights go off. We don't have the capacity to get back the street lights. And nowadays we don't carry candles, but we have our flashlights and our phones. We could just curse the darkness or we could turn on the flashlight on our phone. And the flashlight cannot replace the street light. But what the flashlight can do, the flashlight can show us at least one step ahead. And as we take that one step ahead, the flashlight shows us the next step. It shows the next step. So in many ways, I consider the key flashlight is the service attitude. It is. What can I do in this situation? How can I make things better? So how can I make myself better? How can I make things better? If we have that service attitude, then we all can become small sources of light. Some of us may become blessed and empowered to become huge sources of light. But even if we are a small source of light, we can illuminate our corner of the earth.
1: At least one person a day. At least serve one person a day.
2: That's beautiful.
0: I Okay, I have three things that I want to share with you guys. Can I share with you guys my three things? I think I'm going to try to do
3: today. Now, do, you, do you take away your liberty to share anything now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll give you the liberty to share four, not three.
0: <laughs> four. Now, this is my accountability. This is good. I feel like if I tell you guys out loud, it, it might actually happen. Okay. <clears throat> the first thing has to do with regulating my senses. I I feel like if I can't, if I, when I don't regulate my senses, I start just going down like a down down rolled spiral of like feeling bad about not being able to control myself. And, and then I just keep feeling bad. And then the decisions that I make just continue to not be as, as good. So one is I've talked about this on the show a couple of times is my eating habits. This is one in particular sense that I really need to get better control over. So I think regulating that in itself by having things like the so things like that the Bhagavad Gita and Sastra recommends like having like regulated meal times offering your food to the divine i've been trying to do that i want to be better about that everything that you put in your mouth offering it first it just adds that extra layer of like intention to to your to your meal times to your eating times um aside from you know the the benefit that we get from eating sanctified food but It's, it's really helps I think with that. So, um, that's, that's one thing regulating the sense of the tongue. Um, or is that the belly? Which one is that? I always get them confused because belly and tongue to me sometimes is interchangeable, but is that tongue.
1: They're deeply connected for sure.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we'll just, we'll just wrap it all up in that. The other thing is, um, I get impatient with my husband. Because he he moves at a much different pace of life than I do, which I deeply appreciate. But I get impatient and I like snap at him. And uh then I don't feel good about myself either. And that's another thing that brings me lower. So I wanna try to, when I'm feeling impatient, take a deep breath and say something loving. All right. That that one you gotta hold me. He's on right now. So he's gonna he's gonna remind me of that. And uh, third, I think I want to listen to um, somebody who inspires me every day, somebody that I want to be more like, like a teacher. There's a few of them. Uh, Radhanath Swami, definitely. Um, you guys, um, people that really inspire me. I want to try to listen to them 15 minutes a day. Just when I listen to their energy and it, it inspires me to be more like that. And then I feel like I can start to invite more of their, their presence. So those are my. Th- Three things. You said four. Who can I serve? I should think of somebody that I should try to serve every day. I should be better about taking care of my dogs, maybe.
1: Lori. <laughs> <Laurie.
0: laughs> what?
1: Jeff or Lori?
0: Jeff or Lori? Lori, my, Laurie, my yeah. mom's on today, Cece. So that's why Veda's saying, Lori, my mom okay. joined us today.
1: Charity begins at home.
0: <laughs> All right. Got it. Those are my things. Thank you guys for listening.
1: (laughs) I think it's time for summary. Concluding words from CC.
3: Before I do that, there's something I would also like to do, something small. From today onwards, in our tradition, it's the start of four sacred months. So we have one of our core texts is the Srimad Bhagavatam. And it is a huge text going to 18 volumes, but it has 3, 335 chapters. Just yesterday I discovered that if you can read three chapters every day, then within four months you can complete all the 335 chapters very easily. So I'm going to start that from today onwards and see if I can complete that. Just wow. three
2: months,
3: chapters alone Without the purpose, is not that difficult. But let's see how it works out. I'm starting with, with a friend, so the two of us are planning to do it together. Wow.
0: That's amazing. Ariveda, right, you have to share one now. You have to share.
1: I'm, on the, I'm on the hot seat.
0: <laughs> have to.
1: But I was thinking, uh, for me, you know, I, I take my time to at least uh, listen to two people's problems and I hear and I sit with them and I hear them out and I smile with them, I cry with them and I will increase that by two more. How's that?
0: Wow, four people.
1: So on average, I'll, I'll, I'll spend time with uh, for people to hear their stories and their journeys and be inspired and, and, and shed tears of joy and celebration with them.
2: That's
3: wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, So, we started by discussing about how there is this, the first point was, um, both of you give examples of inner freedom that uh, to yoga and to other practices and I talked about also how grew I grew up in post-independent India where freedom, outer freedom was also very cherished so we discussed about these two aspects and how we need to balance both of them so the four quadrants, the best would be we have liberty and we have liberation so that means we have the outer freedom to pursue happiness, and we have we have intelligence like life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. so what will actually help us pursue happiness so with that liberation, we need to be liberated from our own selfish short sighted self destructive cravings, otherwise we discuss how Getting external freedom, getting external power, mm, can actually be the cause of harm. As so I talk about the a uh, person just starting to do drugs and getting hands on mm. mm, a big inheritance can actually ruin them. So then we can the practical application we discussed was that for all of us within we all have certain liberty and we lack certain liberty. So within our limitations, instead of letting those limitations become excuses for us for not improving, you can say within our limitations, what can I do? Limitations, within that, what choices can we make? Choices to raise ourselves up. And that would actually fulfill the spirit of the independence that we are seeking, of this independence that we are celebrating. So when liberty and liberation are complemented, that makes, for, makes life truly fulfilling. Thank you.
2: Thank you.